gonna give me some vitamin U right now. <laughs> Emily, bringing the vitamin U. Welcome to Dunstan Checks, man. This is the show where we watch uh, minute by minute the 1996 ape film Dunstan Checks In, and we pair each of those minutes with another feature film. I'm Emily Monkeytown. I'm Lord Andrew Rutledge, and we are very and honored prof- to have a guest today. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Professor F. W. Orangatong, uh, Kyle from Ghostbusters Minute. <laughs> uh, thank you for being on the show, Kyle. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was uh, up until a few hours ago a blind spot in uh, my my film acknowledge canon, and I really want to thank you two for enlightening me <laughs> on uh, on this wonderful film. And I would really like to apologize for enlightening you on this wonderful <laughs> film. Uh, and yes, I think it's uh, it's no secret to our listeners that uh, we have uh, Kyle on today because I have paired this minute minute mm-hmm. twenty four with Ghostbusters two. Ghostbusters two, uh, which uh, I will get into that when we uh, when we get to that point in the minute. Sure. Uh, but first, uh, I mean, Kyle, I, we have to know what is your familiarity, what is your association with Dunstan checks in. Okay, so I was sixteen when this movie came out. So this was a, a movie that um, my younger brothers, my my co-host Brady of Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute and host of Goonies Minute. Uh, this is the kind of movie that he would have been taken to see by a babysitter or something with Too Cool <laughs> Kyle was at home uh, playing like Act Razor on his Super Nintendo or something like that. So um, I had zero knowledge about this film, but I want to, because I don't know of a good time to insert this story. So I'm going to go ahead and tell this up top. Um, my father-in-law, uh, at one point, my wife and, and her family were at uh, Disney World on vacation. And they're at some ice cream restaurant, uh, and they're sitting there eating. And my father-in-law looks up, and he's like, oh, my God, Jason Alexander is across the restaurant with his family. And they're all like, okay, that's cool. Let him enjoy his vacation. And he's just sitting there eating his ice cream, staring at Jason Alexander. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go over there and say something to him. And they're like, no, dad, leave him alone. He's here. He's trying to be on vacation. I don't know if my father-in-law is trying to embarrass his family or if he just can't contain himself or whatever. So he gets up and he walks across the restaurant. And this is like if you're going to, you know, say hello to somebody whose work you admire, especially Jason Alexander, you know, like George Costanza, one of the greatest sitcom characters of all time. You know, you could go over there and say something about that to him. He walks over and I think George, uh, George, excuse me, Jason Alexander looks up at him. He gets kind of shell shocked. And looks at him and goes, you are great. And Dunstan checks in oh. and turns around, <laughs> walks God. away from the table and goes back to eat ice cream with his family. So that's uh, that is my only connection to Dunstan checks in in any way. That is phenomenal. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. That's wild. Well, I'm glad Jason Alexander knows that one person appreciates his performance <laughs> yes. in the film. Because <laughs> I feel like uh, I don't want to speak for you, Andrew, mm. but two people host a podcast about Dunstan Jackson, and I don't know that we appreciate his performance in the film. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, he doesn't appear in this minute. No, uh, but we have right. pre- on previous minutes said that he is a he. This character is a bad dad. Yeah, this character. I don't know how much we want to blame on Jason Alexander and how much we want to blame on, on uh, the writers. I yeah. was trying to pull one of the writers' name, but I couldn't. I got the director, Ken Quapis, but mm. um, it's not a great character in cinema, I would say. Yeah. Um, so did you watch the film, or did you watch just the minute that we sent you? Oh, I watched the whole thing. Wow. In fact, I watched the <laughs> film before I watched the minute, um, because I'm having some trouble watching it for some reason. I, I was like, well, I probably should watch for this movie reason. before. You know, it would be an interesting exercise to not watch the movie and just try to like piece the film together around the minute. So, oh, several of our um, guests have done just that. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, actually no, our I, first guest that watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say... I, I, um, Considering uh, I, I read some reviews of it and you know some stuff on Wikipedia about the movie and the um, 
how it was received when it came out. And I was kind of expecting for this movie to be god awful. And I was really shocked by being brought back to a time where films had full uh, scores, like a full or- orchestra score. Mm. And uh, time and care was taken and put into set dressing and kind of, you know, this movie. I probably not one of Fox Searchlight's like you know big tent poles to be released for the for the year, but it had its audience. You know, it's a fun family film, and I was watching it just kind of like engrossed in a a time where a film like this could be made for eighteen million dollars, and there was actually like love and care put into the production. So I want to thank you guys for giving me a little bit of a nostalgia trip too <laughs> while watching this earlier. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> I feel like we should hand the keys of the podcast over to you. <laughs> I, de- I definitely remember liking this movie as a kid, but I will say uh, recent rewatches for this podcast, I, I don't think I, I hold as generous a view of the of the film as a whole as you do. Mm. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think especially in, in this minute, there is a lot of the music just really trying very hard. Yeah. And yeah. not yeah. always hitting. The mark. <laughs> it has like a. There's like several parts where Dunstan is breaking in, where it where it has like a military sound to it. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand that. He's, like he's doing a tactical operation. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've also. I I I've brought it up that Dunstan is not tactical in this sense. He does. He has that headlamp on. Yeah. Which makes him very visible. Let's just yeah. jump into the minute. Yeah, let's jump because in. that's right at the top of the minute. Dunstan is looking through. A window of the hotel. Yeah. And he's seeing Kyle. Not uh, Kyle, our guest on this episode, but Kyle, the character, and Dunstan checks in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he is, uh, he's with Neil, uh, Neil, uh, named after Neil Armstrong, of the dog of, um, I just love the astronaut, Mr. <laughs> Lionel Spaulding. Mr. Spaulding. Uh, he's been told to walk the dog. He's holding the dog kind of, I would say, in an odd manner. Yeah. I would uh, agree. Uh, but then he he kind of lets the dog down. I mean, as and then, we we learned in the last minute, Kyle does not know how to hold a dog. No, uh, he he lets the dog down and then seems to do a motion to get the dog to jump back up into his arms. Yeah, uh, and then I notice he's also not holding the leash. Yeah, it just seems there's a lot of chaos going on here. <laughs> uh, and then Dunstan is kind of he's spying, he's peeping through this hotel window. Yeah, at his friend Kyle. From the well, case earlier. he's Well, sure. From the, <laughs> I don't think he knew that he was the kid outside the case. <laughs> you don't think... What do you think Dunstan's level of awareness is? Oh, my God. we I feel like we go back and forth on this, <laughs> where sometimes I argue that he's smarter than, than we expect, and then now I think you're trying to argue he's smarter than I expect. I think he is both... He's less smart than a human, but it also in ways more smart than a human. I don't think, I don't think he um, connects dots like a human would, mm-hmm. but I do think he has some sort of extrasensory perception. Now, Kyle, do you have any uh, orangutan knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I uh, did not major in primatology in college, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, it, but it, it, I, I would agree with you. He at least seems to have a deeper emotional intelligence than definitely the adults in this film. Definitely Jason Alexander's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Agreed. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're shown him uh, remembering what it was like working with Samson, you know, and yeah. he seems to be to care very much for the safety of other people around him. Well, to a degree, I guess, at least Kyle, he does, you know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, but it, it seems like he's, I don't know, it's not like motor skills he's going on here, but he has been trained, it seems at least to, to pull off these like small scale jewel heists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but when he's looking through this window, he's got his helmet on with a light on it and the light is shining right into the window of the hotel. Sure. But if you're shining yeah. a light into a 
very well lit room it's not that noticeable but it's coming from the dark outside it's like almost nighttime it's new york city baby there's lights everywhere city of a thousand lights (laughs) that's what they call it well i just feel like in in this in those early shots in this minute you can see the glare sure really bad and i think that would catch kyle's eye i'm really surprised that kyle didn't notice a monkey spying on him what if you but he's actively playing with neil that's i mean i guess maybe neil's distracting him maybe neil and dunson are in this together <laughs> i think kyle's committed to his job you know, when they put him to a task like taking neil for a walk you know he's definitely like this is the only thing that's going on forget that light shining through the sixth floor window it's not an airplane coming at the building it's just a <laughs> it's just it's just an anomaly today yeah but then I, I I think speaking to Kyle, what you're saying about uh, Dunstan's emotional intelligence, he does mm-hmm. have kind of a sad grunt while he's watching yeah. Kyle play with the dog. Yeah, he's seeing a, yeah. Per, a human play with an animal. Yeah, and mm-hmm. is perhaps wondering what what could be with a better um, you know owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, now mm-hmm. we're watching Dunstan going up. Uh, we're at first from Dunstan's point of view. I think that's a very good shot. The POV shot. Yeah. That's good. I like the climbing up the uh, the pipe there, and then we get kind of the wider shot mm-hmm. where we see he uh, he sees the window with the um, the red flag on it, yeah, which Lord Rutledge had put there earlier mm-hmm. when he had broken into the room. <laughs> uh, he could have easily stolen everything then, but he didn't. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, so this well, is then his fingerprints would be on. <laughs> Sure, sure. And when you have ape fingerprints, it's the, it doesn't match. There's no directory on the of, database. Ape, of ape fingerprints. <laughs> sure. Um, and he opens the window. And this is when I'd like to talk about Ghostbusters 2. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Ghostbusters 2, uh, growing up, I, I think I had never, I think there, there's, I don't know where the dividing line is, but I think there are certain groups of people, and I, I don't know what, like I just said, I don't know what the dividing line is, but there are certain groups of people that think of Ghostbusters 2 as way lesser yeah. Than the first Ghostbusters. Yeah. yeah. But for me growing up, they were equal. I it would was, agree. Yeah. I, I was sure. in the same headspace yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, Kyle. You, you talk about minute by minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would agree completely. In fact, um, for a long time, I would hear people talk about Ghostbusters 2 in a lesser light saying, you know, oh, they really dropped the ball on that one. And I was like, what, 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 what are you talking about? It had, you know, the walking statue of liberty in it. It, it had ghosts mm-hmm. everywhere. It was a baby in it. It was a perfect film. <laughs> and then being an adult and going back and watching it, you do start to see where it's just a carbon copy of the first Ghostbusters script, and they just fill everything in. Uh, for example, Ernie Hudson uh, mm-hmm. doesn't show up again as Winston Zedmore until something like 45 minutes into the movie. Well, because in the first one, he wasn't there until 45 minutes into the movie. They replaced Stay Puft <laughs> Marshmallow Man with a walking Statue of Liberty. It's kind of a paint-by-numbers thing where they're trying to recreate it. And it does feel a little bit soulless watching it again as an adult. Uh, now, I will say, as far as sequels go, it is by far not the worst I've ever seen in my life. And... <laughs> If anything, it was something that probably I feel like in some cases they they need to make a third film to kind of redeem the franchise. And in, you know, 2010, they did make that Ghostbusters video game that kind of bridged the gap between Mm -hmm. the two. That was I I liked it. I thought it was pretty good Mm -hmm. and it could have served as a nice third film. Um, But uh, there are some moments in Ghostbusters, too. And I I think we might be getting to the same thing here. Um, There's some really creepy moments in it. One of them that stands out for me, and this might be the one you're thinking of, Mm. uh, is when Janosch in ghost form goes to kidnap Oscar 
off of the balcony, uh, which reminded me a lot of what's going on with Dunstan here at this minute. <laughs> that is exactly is that why, why I've that? chosen it. Yeah, perfect. Is, <laughs> they're, they're, I, I think that happens sometimes. Sometimes when we watch the minute, we we get just kind of a, a vibe or a theme. And other times it's just very specifically, oh, this is exactly like this other scene. And for some reason, that is that for me in, in this yeah. scene in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, uh, you, you, you kind of liken an orangutan to a small child being on a ledge. So yeah. <laughs> I, I get it, yeah. There's an element of danger. We're looking over a ledge. You know, it's it's exciting. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm into it. Um, but I personally, and, until I had done a rewatch of Ghostbusters 2, uh, specifically for this, I could not remember the, the events in the plot in any kind of order. I didn't remember mm. what, what the baby had to do with anything. Yeah, same here. Uh, I, I mean, I remember the baby was supposed to be the new body for Vigo, but... I couldn't even recall. I didn't even know whose baby it was. I just remember there was a baby. Uh, but this was something that I watched a bunch in my childhood. So it was it was odd to me to see all these, you know, spots being filled in by rewatching it and going like, oh, OK, it's, you know, it's Sigourney Weaver's character's baby. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's it's not her child with any of the cast members. It's like or an unseen husband. See ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How's you know that that always seemed like an odd choice, even to today. To not show the 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 father at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, I agree. <laughs> even even um, reading into it, it seemed like none of the cast members wanted to come back for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in in fact a lot of them were contractually obligated to do so, or else uh, you know under the threat of lawsuit, which is always a great you know environment <laughs> to make a film under. Everybody's very happy when they're showing up just so they don't get sued. You know. Yeah. Even Dan um, Aykroyd, I, I would have thought he would have wanted to come back for a second one. I think Dan Aykroyd, yeah, I think if you gave him the opportunity to make any sort of Ghostbusters film on a budget, he would jump at the chance because, you know, the man, I think, actually believes he could build a proton pack in real life. So for him, making a Ghostbuster movie is a mode of survival rather than just a way to, you know, get some money. And, um, you know, like Bill Murray's famously been said that he thinks that uh, one of the reasons we didn't get a third Ghostbusters was not so much he didn't want to you know take the payday or anything like that, but he felt protective of the franchise, and he actually had to be bought out by Sony Pictures, Columbia Pictures, uh, because I believe it was him, Ivan Reitman, and Dan Aykroyd, and maybe Harold Ramis all had a quarter stake in the property. Mm. And his his thought on it was, well, Ghostbusters two, we really missed the mark on that one. In order to not dilute the franchise, we just need to not make any more. Well, unfortunately, we're in the time that franchises rule is king, so yeah. Sony doesn't have a whole lot out there. They need to continue to make Ghostbusters movies. I think it's something like Ghostbusters on average makes $50 million a year just on uh, merchandising, so they want to refresh that lineup every so, you know, two or three years to do that. But, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I like the, I like the ooze. Sure. The goo. We, we we've talked we've talked a lot on this podcast about how much we love ooze and goo. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very fun in this film. It's, sure. It's got it's got a lot of ideas. It's, it's got a personality. Yeah. Egon fucked it apparently, <laughs> which I think is a very bizarre moment in the film. I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know if he explicitly had sex with it or just masturbated near it near it kyle i hate to get such blue topics on you but do you have any thoughts on this moment do you know the moment we're referring to yeah oh yeah absolutely my reading was he uh cuddled it in a very loving manner because it's his emotional ooze but you know we all express emotions differently so maybe maybe he took it a step further i don't know Uh, no judgment for the listener who who does not recall this moment they're talking about uh, how the slime responds to different emotions and then um winston as a joke says that you go to bed with it 
And then uh, Ray looks over at Egon, and Egon sort of gets red in the face and looks away. <laughs> um, it seems like just a, a weird one-up, and it's like they were thinking, okay, so one of the Ghostbusters fucks yeah. a ghost in the first movie. How can we one-up that? And I, that's, that, I think that's what happened here. But, oddly enough, the, the thing that I had read was that throughout the film, they were toning down the adult uh, material for the, for the sequel because they realized mm. that children liked the first one so much yeah. that they wanted yeah. to, you know, make make the second one more PG friendly or whatever. Interesting. Uh, which totally. is, uh, I, I think even part of that is uh, an interesting um, thing that they do at the beginning of the film or towards the beginning when... Um, when the two Ghostbusters go go to a child's party, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and the children are kind of like, "Ah, oh, we don't really care about you." Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that's them making fun of how kids overcared about it, or or what. There's also a gag in there about He-Man, and I think that that yeah. film came out around the same time. Yeah, so it I, did. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny yeah. too because I think one of the kids that walks up and says, "You know, you, my dad says you guys are losers. You know, your husbands." That's actually Jason Reitman who's going on to direct the Ghostbusters that'll be coming out next year. So, mm. a fun little tie in there. Yeah, is that supposed to come out next year? Uh, uh, twenty twenty. Yeah, summer yeah. of twenty twenty. Oh Movies are too fast now. <laughs> yep. I, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, it's it's it's. Uh, part of the production is that there's probably a uh, group of Korean animators that have been stuck in a place for the last three months creating the CG uh, portions of that film. So by the time they get up to set, like half of the film's already in the can at that point. Oh my God. It's a bummer. Um, I I was going to say, I think movies don't come out fast enough. I'm thinking back to the the early days of James Bond when you would get a Bond movie like every year Mm -hmm. and then every five, you'd you'd skip one year. Well, I think the only reason now why you're not getting a Bond film every year is because of Daniel Craig. Do you think so? Right. I think I it, disagree. I think it is Daniel Craig. I think if they had a different, I think they take actor, way more time with the production too. I mean, the, the whole problems with with Bond twenty five now have just been like getting the script right. Mm-hmm. I, maybe they care too much. Then I don't know. Yeah, because in my mind, Daniel Craig is not an actor who makes a movie every year. As an actor, I think he does make a movie every year. He just doesn't make a Bond movie every year. Hmm. He he mixes in a Logan Lucky in there. Well, that was a rare yeah. rarity for him. I guess. Um. There are two moments I want to highlight from the courtroom scene. Mm. One that I thought was especially good. One that I thought was especially bad. Okay. <laughs> uh, which which do y'all want first? The good one or the bad one? Let's take the Ooh, bad one let's... first. Yeah, yeah, bad one. Okay, bad one first. There's a part in the courtroom scene where Venkman like dismissively calls a woman kitten, and the crowd in the scene cheers for it. <laughs> and it's just like this weird. I mean, yeah, she's like the prosecutor, and she's like the bad guy in that moment. But it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, nakedly misogynist are the words I would use. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You, and, you know, and that was kind of part of the the growing of the character in the first film is that uh, Peter Venkman comes across as just kind of like this real he doesn't care about Dana Barrett as a person. And, yeah. and, you know, his character arc in that movie is by the end of it. He is you know, she's her life is on the line and he's actually showing, you know, uh, attention to her as more than just a body, you know, someone he's actually interested in. So a lot of Ghostbusters 2 was a big reset on that. And it felt very weird. And of course, like you're saying now, it feels doubly weird. And, you know. Uh, the day that Bill Murray's Me Too moment happens, we are all going to be hiding our heads, you know. <laughs> but uh, this, this definitely calling her kitten is something that, uh, in in hindsight, is is definitely kind of like you, you know. Wait, what did he just call her that? You he know, and he's that, the good and he, guy. Like, he puts a hand on her too when he says it. It's, it's yeah, it shouldn't be a, really a gross. cheer a cheer moment. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the. That's really I, bad. And you wonder right. why this film built up a fan base that got very mad when there was a version mm. of the movie that starred women. Mm. Ironic, huh? <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? 
Uh, but there was maybe my favorite joke in any Ghostbusters movie is also in this scene. Okay. <laughs> There's a moment where the prosecutor is really giving it to them, and Rick Moranis, who is their lawyer in this moment, um, just turns to her and says, Hey, give me a break. We're both lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Moranis' read of that line is so fucking funny. Um, um, he's he's great in it. He shows up and says, hey, guys, you know, I, I got my degree at night school. It's like, okay. It's yeah. <laughs> great. We're I arrested think, at night. That's a good joke, too. I think yeah. the, whole, the whole court scene really stands out as a as a favorite of, of all the scenes in the film. Because mm. uh, I really enjoy uh, the, the, the judge that they have, the how angry he gets, and then the way that the, the slime reacts. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that... that kind of unleashes the ghosts that are within the room or something yeah i just yeah that whole turnabout where they're you know they're saying you're you know you can't catch ghosts you're you're hurting the city yeah. and then now there's two ghosts coming after the judge and Much he's like, like Come on, you're fungus, gonna do something you're choking the city <laughs> okay sorry there's a reference to our old podcast super <laughs> mario brothers uh, yeah yeah uh, super mario brothers minute you know yeah <laughs> uh, uh just as a psycho what's your familiarity with the film super mario brothers <laughs> Um, I have never seen it in one sitting. Uh, oh. I have, yeah, I remember when it came out being very disappointed that they went with that route instead of like an animated film, although we had the animated TV show at the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've only seen it in pieces. I know that it just kind of, they took the lore and went in their own weird direction with yep. dinosaur evolution. And yeah. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I love great, the Mario yeah. franchise. So it's one of those I'm kind of staying away from. So it doesn't sully. I, I think you should my, treat yourself to a watch cause it's oh, really? a very good movie. <laughs> I think that's one I'm going to have to have like, you know, two or three vodka tonics before it starts. <laughs> just that to might get help, it. but I, I stand by that movie. Put a gummy worm in, in some of them. Then you'll, oh. <laughs> you'll be mimicking a drink in the film. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Ghostbusters 2, I mean, that's, that's really uh, the long and short. And it was the, the, the baby snatching scene was what reminded me of this minute. Yeah. 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 Mm. And, um, uh, uh, I, me, me too. I, I, I didn't. I like I said. I did not watch the clip that you had selected for the for the film before I actually watched Dunstan checks in. As mm-hmm. soon as we got to that moment, that's exactly where my mind went into, yeah, as well. This is like one of the great, you know, movie ledge scenes. This mm-hmm. Ghostbusters two, uh, maybe Man on Ledge might be a good one. But <laughs> you know, I was just gonna say Man on Ledge. <laughs> that's all I think that were shot on a ledge. Oh, that so, movie was yeah. bad. Though. Yeah, <laughs> Lethal Weapon's got a Man on a Ledge situation. Oh, that's true. It does. Yes. As does yeah. Dirty Harry. The first oh. Dirty Harry, like weirdly beat for beat, follow. I mean, I guess Lethal Weapon follows Dirty Harry, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. But they're like beat for mm-hmm. beat, the exact same movie in a way that's weird. That actually makes sense. I mean, it makes sense, but it's weird that more people don't notice it. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, all right, so let's get back into the minute. Let's get back into the majestic hotel uh, with Dunstan. Yeah, he goes up. Uh, I believe they are specific in showing that he goes up two floors, which I think that that does uh, track because I think we found out earlier that Mrs. Della Croce was in room eight twelve. She's on the eighth eight... floor. That's all I remember. Yeah, and that um, and that Mr. Um, I can never remember Spalding. his name. Lionel Mr. Spalding. Spalding. Mr. Spalding was on think the sixth floor. Think of basketballs. Floor. When you think of Glenn Shattuck, oh, think, think, think of, of basketballs. basketballs. Okay. Oh, That's okay. a good one. Uh, but yeah, I think that tracks. It goes from sixth floor to eighth floor. Sure. Uh, and so he enters the window with the red flag. As he climbs in, there's a dramatic zoom on his face. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like that's out of place. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite see the purpose of that. Um and so then it's a little busy the camera work in this movie uh, sometimes sure yeah uh, yeah so then he's got his helmet with the light on it mm-hmm. but he drops to the floor 
Yeah. And slinks across the floor. Yeah. To go and turn on the room light. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. He's an ape. This is what I'm saying. He's he's got he's got some sort of like I would say extrasensory perception where he's sort of aware of things in the world. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, as far as like, you know, piecing things together, doing things, you know, in a linear thing, he's just not he's not processing on the same level that you are, Andrew. I guess. I, I just and I also feel like visually the the way that they shoot this when they switch to the side view of him uh, slinking across the floor i think this is not the real orangutan i think no. this is a human in an in a ape outfit you suggested mm, okay. in another minute and it may be one that hasn't come out yet in the feed i you know time is you know yeah. it's weird sometimes you suggested that Dunstan's hand was a human hand in orangutan gloves. Yeah, well, I do know. I, I, had, I rewatched that moment you were talking about, and they looked like ape hands to me, is, is what I'm going to say. Well, I, I also do know for a fact that, that um, and I've read this online, that Vern Troyer was the body double for Dunstan. Wow, I did not know Really? That. Yeah, uh, at least in some scenes. So I, I'm assuming that's this scene because I, I looked very closely at Dunstan's legs and feet as he slinks across the floor, and they don't seem to be moving like orangutan feet and legs interesting they seem to be moving like like a like a smaller person's legs sure. it's just i don't know it's uh it's just very uh, an odd look and i and i'm trying to understand why they would have him slink across the floor i guess it's a funny gag that he's trying to be sneaky yeah mm-hmm. he's just in sneak mode he's yeah all sneaky peaky <laughs> he, hit, he hit r3 and crouched exactly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was wondering if they if they were maybe trying to make an illusion or a parody of the Mission Impossible films, you know, like maybe trying to like crawl under like an invisible like laser or something like that. It, it kind of, and I'm curious if they if they block the scene just around what the orangutan was able to do or not. But it, um, it, it, it the whole scene felt like parody of like a Mission Impossible or James Bond or something like that. Yeah, hmm. I feel like there's a lot of moments in this movie that sort of start to take a few steps towards being a parody of something and then right. just kind of don't quite get there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely, when, when Dunson is suiting up, there is there is definitely a overt knockoff of the James Bond theme song uh, buried yeah. within the score when he's doing that. So uh, you're on to something there. I was, I was trying to remember, did, the first Mission Impossible came out in 95? I want to say 96, but it could have been 95. Okay. Because I had this, yeah, that, right. I'd say 96. might have preceded it because I think this was... January of 96, yeah. It was very early in 96. This, yeah. <laughs> they dumped this movie off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely the dumping grounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, And when he slides across, he has his arms out in front of him, his long, lanky arms. Yeah. Uh, he gets across the room. He reaches up, flicks on the light switch. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is that he's abandoned his helmet. Yeah. He's pushing a chair over to some kind of a dresser. Yeah. Uh, and then climbs up and he surveys the items that are on the dresser. Yeah. Now we know this is Mrs. Delacroce's room. Mm-hmm. Are we to assume that all of the items on this dresser belong to Mrs. Delacroce? I think so. Okay. Uh, Kyle, do you, you remember this character, Mrs. Delacroce? Oh uh, yes, so she was one of the highlights of the film, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super sexualized older lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as Dunstan looks across, we have there are like press-on nails. Yeah. There are eyelashes. Mm-hmm. Contacts. Yes. Uh-huh. And they're like uh-huh. out and open. Yeah. They're not sealed in a container. No. And they were in little things where it looked like they might have been in some sort of solution. They d- Yeah, they did look like they were in some kind of a liquid. Yeah. But I think, to my eye, they were also colored. Interesting. To change her eye color. Yeah. Uh, so maybe she doesn't need them for seeing. She, she just they're wears cosmetic. them for vanity. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then we have, um, well, there's a wig. 
Yes. And then there's something else <laughs> that goes into the bra. They're called breast forms. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they, those are just out. Uh, and then there's dentures. Yeah. That's the yeah. last thing we see, the dentures. But yeah. what, what? The dentures do, will come into play in a future minute. Do they? Yeah. I had completely forgotten. Dunstan drinks the water. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, gross. I, <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I thought you meant that we see Mrs. Delacroce interact with them. No, 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 no. Because to my mind, all these other items are Mrs. Delacroce's. Yes. The dentures mm-hmm. are not. Why Why are the dentures not? They're Mr. Delacroce's. Mr. Delacroce is not here. And Mrs. Delacroce is out on the town without her dentures? Maybe she, I, w- I would posit that she maybe has two sets of dentures. Mm. So she know. has a uh, a public party set of dentures and then her at home at night chilling reading a mystery novel dentures. And yeah. this is maybe the second set that we see. Okay, yeah. Or maybe she didn't need them. Maybe she wasn't out. Maybe this is all this is all like clearly laid out to be ready for her to like get ready for mm-hmm. a party. Yeah. Maybe she was not wearing her dentures because now she's just out eating some cream corn. Doesn't need the dentures yet. Or just soups. <laughs> yeah. Pudding. She's having a night of pudding. Sure. Mm-hmm. Pudding and opera. Oatmeal and a straw. That's... Yeah. <laughs> but with that, no, there. Name a name a duo more iconic than pudding and opera. Uh, I was going to say Abbott and Costello, but no. Pudding, a, <laughs> pudding and opera is better. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So with the dentures, we've reached the end of the minute. Uh, Kyle, did you enjoy this minute? I did. Yes. No. Like like I said, I I found myself enjoying this movie a lot thought i would going in a lot of that had to do with the over the top scene uh, scene chewing performances by like rupert everett and everybody um but this minute in particular i, I always enjoy parody mm-hmm. and i felt i think i remember trailers for dunston checks in having him like parodying like james bond and like a tuxedo and stuff like that so that. this was kind of the the silly send-up of like a spy movie that um i probably would have enjoyed a lot when i was like maybe seven years old but watching it again like i said um uh, I really took an appreciation to the the technique that went into this, especially the score of this minute, kind of the the, the spy music going into it. So I, uh, yeah, it was uh, far more enjoyable than I thought I was going uh, the, to, the uh, feeling that I was going to come away with it. So, yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. Emily, do we have anything else on the minute? Um, do you want to say? No, I mean, I'm surprised. I don't mean to be combative, Kyle. I'm surprised okay. to hear you like the score. I I fucking hate the score to this movie so much. <laughs> really? To me, the oh, score man. to this movie is like an example of of why it's maybe not the worst that this type of scoring sort of went away. Um, okay. Yeah. It just it just it sounds like every other '90s family comedy in a way that I I don't know. Maybe I just watched too many of them as a kid, and I just I it's just a sound that I'm I'm extremely sick of at this point. I would agree with you on that. It does sound like something you'd find in like the Dennis the Menace movie or something like that. Mm. I think it's probably because it's been a while since I've seen something like that. It was a little bit refreshing over the uh, kind of like um, 80s electro clash, like throwback, like uh, Daft Punk ripoff score that we have in a lot of films these Mm. days. So whenever I heard it, I was like, this is a time and a place that I'm brought back to. Mm. But um, I could see that if you've seen more than three of these movies, (laughs) maybe the last couple of years, this probably would just be like, you know, filler. Like it it could be replaced with any other score. So I I see where you're coming from on that. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Kyle, for for being on with us today. Uh, Why don't you tell everyone where um, we can find you and your and your shows? Absolutely. Uh, I am uh, along with Brother Brady, the host of Ghostbusters Minute and Jurassic Park Minute. My brother Brady also did Goonies Minute uh, with a good friend of ours named Chris. And you can find those pretty much anywhere you can find any other podcast. If you enjoy uh, Movies by Minute podcasts like the Super Mario Brothers Minute or Dunstan's 
checks men uh you can uh, find uh, the podcast there now we've also got two new movies by a minute podcast coming up this year uh which we're not ready to announce just yet but those should be dropping late summer and late fall so uh if you just check out pele media on facebook or ghostbusters minute or you know whatever um you should get an update on that in the coming months so cool check thank you uh, so much do, uh, emily do you want to reveal our movie that that you have paired oh yeah for the next minute, minute uh 25 so minute 25 of dunson checks in will be paired with a little film entitled looney tunes back in action wow <laughs> you really had to do it to me didn't you i really did <laughs> uh all right so that wraps it up you can find me uh um one of my other shows is called nothing new a remake podcast mm. you can find that at benvnetwork.com slash nothing new every month justin keeslin and i talk about remakes uh, go check that out. Our most recent episode is on uh, Alita Battle Angel, oh. uh, which is really fascinating. Uh, I really liked that film, so <laughs> it's a good episode. Um, That's interesting. Have you you've recorded this episode already? Y- yes. Let me tell you. Let me let's let's get into some personal beef. Okay. On the show. <laughs> okay. I posted on my Facebook page. Uh-huh. Who's gonna see Alita Battle Angel with me? Because I really want to see the movie, but no one wants to see it with me. Justin chimes in and says, when do you want to see it? I write back sometime next week. No reply. And here I find out on my podcast that he has watched it without me. Well, betrayal. I, I mean, yeah. I was gonna say I would have invited you, but I specifically did want to see it in 3D. So, and I know you're anti 3D. And yet you were happy to take me to Venom in 3D. Personal beef with you too. Fighting <laughs> oh <my laughs> with all of nothing new. <laughs> all right. Uh, another show that I do is called It's on My List. Uh, you can find that at itsonmylistpod.com. That's every month me and a group of five others talk about films that people say you should see, and we do watch them and decide whether or not they should be on your list. Uh, we watch everything from uh, Gone with the Wind to The Matrix to The Shining and everything in between. Uh, so check that out. It's on my com, And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Podcaster Andrew. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch at Very Cool Emily. I stream three times a week. Uh, on Tuesdays, I stream with this uh, Dingle Dorcas over here. That's me. <laughs> we play Fortnite because um, we're cool, hip kids, uh-huh. and that's what we do. <laughs> um, check that out. You can. Uh, I don't have any other podcasts at the moment, but I will. Oh, someday that's in the exciting. future. Yeah. Uh, actually, me and me and my uh, as I just now this moment declared enemy Justin Kizon <laughs> will have a new podcast coming out in the near future. So uh, get hyped for that. Um, rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts if you want to use the correct word. Um, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make. No, that's too. I guess well, too first, gross. First I, I had five, an idea, but it was too much. What you would want to do with the slime from Ghostbusters? 2? No, what make your case for what you thought Egon did with the slime? Oh, okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely give five stars. Give us a five star. So, Kyle, what what we're doing here is every week we we give a prompt for someone to write uh, uh, an Apple podcast review of us. Instead uh, of actually reviewing the show, we just give them a writing prompt to put in that text space. One one time, oh, our, brilliant. Our prompt was a recipe. A favorite recipe? Yeah, someone did give us a recipe. If you want to know how to make pumpkin rolls, you can go to our iTunes page because it's oh, there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do. I'm going to check that out. That really, <laughs> yeah, it was a real delight to read that. Yeah. Uh, and you can also email us, dunstancheksmen at gmail.com. That's correct. Uh, and find us on Instagram at dunstancheksmen. Yeah. And on Twitter, Majestic Hotel NY. Yeah. 
Uh, and then on, we have a YouTube page, uh, and every week I, I mash up the trailer for the film that we're pairing with the minute with the minute itself. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I used a uh, an early teaser for uh, Ghostbusters oh. Two, just because it was uh. shorter, and I thought that'd be more fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so go check that out. Look us up, Dunstan Checks Man on YouTube. Uh, and uh, I think that about wraps it up. Well, I, I, we never give the prompt, so here's the prompt. Oh, sure. Five stars, and then I need you to describe your strategy for picking the checkout lane at the grocery store. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Thanks. Uh, uh, so thanks a lot, Kyle. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next week, we're checking out. like wrestling well i'm here to tell you about massive buds wrestling show i'm brendan creasy and you may know me from podcasts such as radio brendo man popsicles and mbws in its former names but we're still here and now we're massive buds wrestling show my friend Keith Gomez and I talk about the latest in WWE, Southern California indie wrestling, and cannabis. Yeah, that's right. I said cannabis. Check us out. Massive Buds Wrestling Show, mbwspod.com, or benviewnetwork.com, and of course on Apple Podcasts and all podcast services. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.